0: Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording the show on Friday, August 28th. Kind of a sad note to start the show on, Drew. Did you see the news about Joe Ruby?
1: I did. I did. It probably hits you harder than it hits me, Jim, because you were a <laughs> Hanna-Barbera <laughs> super fan watching the a- show and your underoos back in the day.
0: Sadly, this was before they were under ruse. I was, however, wearing clothes. Okay, but yes, good, good. Joe Ruby, along with his partner Ken Spears, created dozens of Saturday morning TV shows for Hanna-Barbera uh, and eventually with their own animation studio, Ruby Spears. Sadly, uh, Joe passed away this past Wednesday, August 26, dying of natural causes at the age of 86 in his home in Westlake, California. We just talked about the Warner's Animation Scooby-Doo movie. They did make a a point of crediting Joe and Ken for creating Scooby-Doo, right?
1: I believe so. I mean, there are so many Easter eggs uh, Mm -hmm. in that thing. I mean, we talked to the director, who is really great, but uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you could pick out more Easter eggs than I could. But they, they really did have a reverence for that material, and I think it came through in the movie. In a big way,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it used to be forever. It was like if something was, you know, came out of Hanna Barbera, it was William Hanna and Joe Barbera that did it. You know, it's only in the last ten or fifteen years or so, uh, you know, we've seen sort of this second level of creatives being credited for their work. And, and you know, in a way, sort of way, it's kind of the Stanley Jack Kirby situation all over again. And speaking of which, I uh, just this week. Picked up a copy of a great new graphic novel. Uh, it's by uh, Tom Scioli. It's called Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. It talks a lot about Jack working in animation. In fact, he did spend a lot of very happy years late in his career at Ruby Spears. In fact, it was one of the very first places where. Jack sort of got the money he deserved for being the creative that he was, but it really does sort of a deep dive into Marvel history, and one of the things that came out was that the relationship between Loki and Thor in the Marvel comic books, and and carrying over, of course, into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Jack supposedly based that on... Stan's relationship with his brother Larry, who also worked at Marvel, uh, that evidently Larry was this really sweet, loyal, guileless guy, where where Stan was constantly conniving, constantly cutting deals, and so it's, it's like I don't think I'm going to watch a Thor movie quite the same way anymore. You know, <laughs> sort of look at Loki and is is he wearing a really bad hairpiece? You know, is a you know um, anyway. Uh, speaking of comics. On our, our last uh, episode of fine tuning, you were getting ready to sit for a full twenty four hours and watch DC Fandom. Uh, how was that?
1: It was pretty good. You know, I was only I only had to sit there for eight hours, so mm-hmm. it wasn't as bad. Um, okay. It moved very quickly. There was mm-hmm. great stuff that they showed, and then was very promptly online right afterwards, which was nice. It was basically everything that Comic-Con at home was supposed to be, but wasn't, <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's interesting that Warner's was, I, I don't think it was a question of learning from Comic-Con at home's mistakes. They, they, they going into this, had a very different take on what they wanted to do.
1: Yeah, and I think that that paid off in a big way.
0: Cool. Of course, the thing you and I were both looking forward to was whether or not there'd be any news about season three of Harley Quinn and did we get anything on that? Or?
1: Uh, no. It was alluded to but not confirmed. So we are still in the dark on that one, Jim. So, yeah, not great.
0: But she did make sort of a token appearance, right? She or... did.
1: She They sort of had a – in the very much Hanna-Barbera style, they had sort of a minimally animated Harley <laughs> Quinn who was kind of a- answering questions – from, you know, fans and things like that. And it, was, it was very cute and charming and very Harley Quinn. But, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing concrete about season three yet.
0: Okay, I'm lighting some candles at this end. Okay, speaking of Warner's media-related news, uh, do you want to talk about the big changes at, at Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers Animation? Oh, yeah,
1: sure. I mean, so Sam Register has been promoted to the president of Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studio. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, has developed and produced a lot of uh, shows for Cartoon Network Studios. Chowder.
0: Chowder, Chowder and Chowder, flapjack. yes. And, and Flapjack.
1: I know, but the guy that, that's leaving, you know, he also had a very illustrious career at Cartoon Network and developed a lot of the recent shows like Adventure Time and mm-hmm. Steven Universe. And so it, it is sort of a weird shakeup. It, it's sort of a consolidation of power, sort of like the, uh, the things that recently happened at DC that we talked about last week. Rob Scorcher was the the, uh, content chief. So Sam Register basically, like, he's added this additional element of his responsibilities and now is overseeing all of this stuff. So uh, it'll be interesting, and I'm sure that this has something to do with, you know, AT&T of it all and um, the HBO Max of it all. So hopefully it'll (laughs) mean more quality animation across all platforms.
0: Speaking of somewhat unexpected exits I, I I realize this is kind of outside of the uh, animation realm but what did you make of, of Kevin Meyer resigning as the head of TikTok after only three months I mean think about it a year ago this guy was the mastermind behind Disney Plus and if, if the rumors were true he was one of only two people that Bob Iger was considering as his possible successor as the head of the Walt Disney Company yeah You had a couple of interesting stories to share about this gentleman.
1: Uh, Yeah. I don't think Kevin was incredibly well-liked at the company, and Mm -hmm. he definitely did not have that kind of agreeable Disney sensibility. And I think (laughs) that, you know, that his – obviously his prospects of becoming Iger's replacement dwindled and then faded altogether when Chapek was announced earlier this year. And I think that he was just like, you know what? I'm done. I've kind of hit the wall here. So he (laughs) went over to TikTok. And I guess he left because his job responsibilities were becoming a a little bit more fraught as Trump tries to shut down TikTok and Mm -hmm. all this mishigas. So, I mean, I, I completely understand why he left, but I also understand why he didn't stay at Disney because nobody really liked him that much, so...
0: But it just—I mean—if you look back at the history, this guy plays a huge role in the acquisition of Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, and, and 21st Century Fox. And when he resigned, he was the direct-to-consumer chairman, in charge of the, all of the company's streaming platforms: like Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and, and Hulu. Mm-hmm. To just go from that to three months of TikTok, and now what?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a, yeah, a lot of chiefs, a lot of chiefs out there in Hollywood, Jim. You know? I guess
0: so, I guess so. Well, oh, well speaking of Hulu, though, Archer season 11, we finally have a debut date. It was originally supposed to launch in May and got pushed back to September. Well, now we know Wednesday, September 16th on uh, FXX they're going to air two episodes back to back and then these very same episodes will then be available for viewing the following day on FX on Hulu. Sure. What happens here? I mean, these last 3 seasons of Archer have him been supposedly hallucinating or dreaming while he's in a coma and now right. he he's finally back and I always loved me some Archer, so it's just I'm looking forward to seeing this and just intrigued to see how they're going to write him out of this corner. Oh, oh! Uh, on our last fine tuning, Drew and I were talking about the How Wizards, which just dropped on Netflix, is the the third part of the Tales of Arcadia trilogy from Guillermo del Toro, and that there is a feature film coming from DreamWorks Animation and Netflix in 2021 but we didn't have the name or at least i didn't have the name (laughs) turns out this film is troll hunters rise of the titans and i think you talked about it's this epic film that's going to attempt to take all three series and create this satisfying feature length epic cap for the series
1: so yeah did you finish did you watch wizards I did, and it's just sort of like, how? Yeah. Never mind
0: the career corner that Kevin Mayer is in right now. How, from the end of Wizards,
1: where do you go from there? Well, I think we got a lot more characters to see again, mm. and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I loved all, all three of these shows, so I'm very... I, I, well, I just, but at the same time, they have such a great
0: look and good, solid writing and amazing animation quality. They do some great animation over Netflix. But again, there is a a fairly tight financial box. But this thing had a great look. And speaking of something that has a great look over the moon, we now also have a release date for this film, uh, Glenn Keane's directorial debut. Earlier this week, we found out that that bow is on Netflix on October 23rd of this year, not 2021. And that's just eight weeks away now, Drew. I know. Um, I'm so excited. Just This past week, as they were announcing the release date, this interesting new credit popped up that John Cares, the director of Disney's 2012 Academy Award winning short, *Paperman*, is co-directing with Glenn Keane on Over
1: the Moon. And I don't recall hearing that before now. Do you? No, I don't remember that either. I mean, it could have been in some of the promotional material that we were given, but I I didn't remember it until this week. And yeah, we know that. That John uh, and the technology that was developed for Paperman—they were being looked at for feature films, and I think at one point Moana was actually going to be developed with uh, that kind of half two D half three D. I'd heard that. aesthetic. Yeah. Um, what I had been told was that it didn't look good in color.
0: Um, um, okay. That
1: yeah, that was the reason why it was canceled. But anyway. Mm-hmm. But John is incredibly talented. I'm sure you talked to him on that circuit oh, when, yeah, when yeah, Paperman yeah, was yeah. coming out. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he's awesome. He's just a really cool guy. So I'm I'm really excited that these two kind of titans of Disney animation are working on this movie together. Yeah. Before Over the Moon comes out, we'll have to do an entire show about Glenn's version of Tangled.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> i
1: don't, I don't we're able it, to air that laundry yet but
0: uh, i don't know if the children of america are ready for his version <laughs> of mother gothel Did you remember the concept art for for that version well was
1: this the one that we were talking to dda about right was i said oh there's a troll in the uh in the tower yeah and you said oh that's not a troll that's Mother Gothel. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Seriously, you know there aren't enough adult diapers out there for if this had been the villain of that film. Though, so, speaking of, of Disney-related stuff, when we get back from our break, we need to talk about the news that just broke about Raya and the Last Dragon. Before we get to Ray and the Last Dragon, though, you wanted to talk for a bit about the new Disney Plus series, Earth to Ned?
1: Yes, Earth to Ned is out on Friday, the same day mm-hmm. that uh, that Mulan is out. So, you know, mm-hmm. choose, your, choose your fighter wisely. <laughs> uh, all 10 episodes of Earth to Ned will be out. And Jim, I got to say, I mm. loved the show. I really? absolutely loved it. Yes, it is a it was one of those. I was laughing so hard mm-hmm. that Katie shut the door on me <laughs> so that she could work. Uh, that kind of thing. Holy cow. All right. You'll appreciate this. And I think a lot of our animation fans will appreciate this. This has not been been publicized, but Paul Rugg, mm-hmm. who was the voice of Freakazoid, among other uh, oh. animated characters, is okay. the voice and puppeteer of Ned. No. Yes. Really? And he is hilarious. I mean, this is one of the this is by far the most bizarre thing on Disney Plus, and I mean that in the best possible way. And uh, Ned is just an amazing creature, but but he's really really funny. I know you love sort of classic blow up the the monster Muppet Mm -hmm. humor, and there are these little creatures that are running Mm -hmm. around his spaceship. And they call them Clods, which stand for Cloned Living Organisms of Destruction. (laughs) And they are little, hairy alien, tentacled aliens that do not speak English and just run around and cause chaos and pop up at the guests and scare them. And it is just hilarious. Uh, It it is a lot of fun. The designs are amazing. And I think you're really going to love it. So,
0: yeah. Did you ever get to see... The interstitial stuff he did for One Saturday Morning where he played the character Manny the Uncanny. Um, mm, I don't know. I a, mean,
1: I might have seen uh, them while I was watching, but I don't remember exactly.
0: There's a number of them on YouTube that are well worth seeking out, but he's just you know, this wonderfully funny guy. And to have, So he's he's the
1: voice and puppeteering man? Yeah, so I guess that he he's worked with Henson a lot in the last mm-hmm. few years. Uh, he... I think was where he actually worked on the, the the country bears and actually has a, a cameo as a as himself in the movie not not as himself but as a human in the movie and that yeah. for a long time he was doing puppet up that oh uh, yeah. the live yeah. show yeah. which we talked about on the last show about you know mm-hmm. how much we loved sort of like seeing old bee puppets in the background but um, yes yeah, so I guess he's worked with Henson for a little while and you'll love Ned Jim because he is a combination of like Charles Nelson Reilly and Billy mm-hmm. Eichner. You know, he's screaming at guests. He's, you know, he he keeps asking Jillian Jacobs how much money she makes. I mean, it is so funny. Uh, And uh, it's really great. Yeah, it's just, I I can't say enough good things about it. It's There's a a Star Wars episode, so Dan Z will be happy.
0: It sounds like Mulan has to wait. (laughs) I may have to check this out. Okay, well, no, no, that's cool. That's great, great news. Can't wait to see Earth to Ned. All right, technically, folks... This is our pre-Labor Day show, so there's got to be an awful lot of laboring going on at Walt Disney Animation Studios, especially on the heels of the news, coming out about uh, Rhea and The Last Dragon between uh, recasting the voice of the, the lead, likewise new lead directors and uh, you know an additional producer coming on board. When Rhea and The Last Dragon got pushed back to March to allow Pixar's soul to get moved to November. And this was back in April. Uh, you know, both you and I are fans of Paul Briggs, you know, who was making his directorial debut in this movie. And I, I think I commented that, oh, good, so Paul will have a little more, more time to work on the movie. And you mentioned, you know, somewhat discreetly, it's like, well, you know, they, they could probably use extra time. I've been hearing that they've been having some story issues. But as you learn this week, this isn't like a change that was made last week. This change of team or additional players on the team, happened as far back as fall of last year?
1: Yeah, it happened as, It happened right after that announcement that uh, Carlos Lopez Estrada mm-hmm. was joining uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios. And at that point, and if you go and reread that press release, it's like he's developing a new project. But he really wasn't developing a new project because he was, I mean, he was, but then he was mm-hmm. shifted pretty quickly mm-hmm. to Raya. And from what I understand, he and Don Hall just have a really wonderful take on this character. That was a complete Mm -hmm. 180 from what they had. Mm -hmm. So I think that is what necessitated the casting change, which we'll talk about in a minute. But you and I both are huge fans of Don Hall, and we love the 2011 Mm -hmm. Big Hero 6. I mean, that is just wonderful. And obviously, his partnership with Chris Williams and what they were able to do on Big Hero 6 and uh, co-directing Moana... Mm -hmm. But I have some good news, which is that, you know, Paul Briggs has been sort of demoted to a co-director, which can mean any number of things in an animated movie. Uh, But Dean Wellens, who was the other co-director and who has had like the rawest deal at Walt Disney (laughs) Animation Studios, I feel like, because you remember his great space race uh, concept that was both picked up and then rejected quite quite, uh, unfairly. Mm -hmm. He's still at the studio. Mm -hmm. So this is not something like Brenda Chapman where, like, she's gone from Pixar, you know, completely when she gets let go of uh, Brain. He's -hmm. still there. He's still working. He's still part of the the Brain Trust or the Story Trust or whatever they call it. It's not a great situation, but I think maybe it'll end up being for the best for everybody.
0: When the story dropped this week, there was all this supposition about, okay, so this has to be related – to the coronavirus, that Disney is producing this film with a lot of its artists remotely. And so that's why you need to bring in, you know, a, a Peter DelVecchio to help out an Osnature, you know, the, the, for you know, producing. Likewise, bringing in two pairs of directors. Because uh, think about it. The last time this happened was Moana, right? When we saw... Um,
1: that's the last time it's happened since... Great Mouse Detective, and there's been more than two, I think, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, we should say that, like, Great Mouse Detective was the last movie where the directors were directing individual segments uh-huh. of the movie, right? Yeah.
0: Do so yeah, you want to talk they, about that? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it just, you know, in fact, that's what's kind of interesting to have Ron and John talk about that film. You know, which just like, oh, you do this, you do that, you do, you know, but again, that was also... <laughs> during the time when Jeffrey and and Michael were basically breathing down their necks like, yeah, maybe we'll make another one.
1: Well wasn't Bernie Bernie directed part of that movie too? Oh, y- yeah. You know yeah,
0: yeah. I still love that film.
1: Oh, I love it too.
0: The first time in in years that you could look at a film and it's like people who actually went to go see Spielberg and Lucas films made an animated feature. It's just right. sort of like, oh, okay. Back to Rhea, what do you make of the the news about uh, swapping, you know, well, uh, Cassie Steele being replaced as the voice of the title character, and bringing in Rose Tico herself, you know, Kelly uh, Marie Tran? We love Rose Tico. We mm-hmm. love her.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think again, it came along with this reinterpretation of the movie and the main character that Don and Carlos were presenting and were was so you know warmly received by Walt Disney Animation Studio brass and Jennifer Lee in particular mm-hmm. i think um so i think that Kelly Marie just had a maybe just had a, a more succinct sort of mm-hmm. idea of the character and set and her voice matched with that character better I'm very curious to see how much of the stuff that we saw at D23 last year will be in the movie or how different it will be because I hope to God that they keep that dragon design for the Aquafina character because that is like my favorite dragon I've ever seen on screen.
0: It's a great design. Though, Tuk Tuk, the whatever it is that uh, Rhea rides, which is supposed to be a combination of a fuzzy bear and an armadillo and a bug. Uh, you know, I yes. heard consumer products really likes this.
1: Yeah, that's actually based on some kind of ancient mythological creature. Um, is it's it really? not. A, yeah, it's not a Disney animation invention. So it's Hi. kind of fun that they're they're bringing that to the mainstream. But uh, yeah, I mean, you you brought up that Peter Peter's in charge now yep. too, um, and I think that Osnet is a brilliant producer, and I think she's handling the kind of like. Asian sort of collective of the sensitivities and, and the kind of cultural group and all that for Raya like she did on Moana, right? Mm-hmm. And that Peter is probably brought in to be the taskmaster and keep this thing on, keep the train on the tracks because you watch Into the Unknown and you just see him being so cool and so level-headed um, while dealing with this like impossible... Situation, right?
0: It's so interesting you bring up Into the Unknown because I want to say it's in either the second or the the second to last or the last. And they show Peter coming into work, you know, and I I guess it's ahead of one more screening, you know. And the poor guy just looks exhausted. What's so brave about Into the Unknown is they actually pop the hood and show how, when that thing starts, they're six months out from the film being released in theaters, and they still don't know what it is <laughs> in the Enchanted Forest that's calling to Elsa, you know, a minor thing in the story, barely worth noticing. And, you know, they still have to make all these tough calls and still have to make the fine-tuning on individual character performances and scenes and, but still deliver a satisfying movie. And, and Peter, just in the shot, just looks... You know, he, he, he's almost asleep on his feet. And it's just and the notion of oh boy, and you just finished Frozen Two and, and you get to do it again. Cause if you're if you're what you're saying is true about the these people came online in, in the fall of 2019, they literally just delivered Frozen Two. And it's like, by the way, we need you down the hall to go work on Rhea. It's like, oh I I can't even
1: imagine that. Yeah. It's a lot.
0: On the other hand Given the whole toxic fanboy situation, and, and you and I talked on the last show about the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And I think in the past we talked about what happened with the rise of Skywalker and you know how Rose Tico went from a, a lead in The Last Jedi to what you could barely call what she did in the last you know, Star Wars Episode Nine, a walk-on. But there's this, I won't say sweet justice, but I love the idea that she's now voicing a Disney princess. I mean, you know, yeah. the, Rhea is the daughter of the chief, and hell, if Moana, the daughter of the chief, is now a Disney princess, that means Rhea's soon to be a Disney princess, which means that very soon, January, if I, I remember the the merchandise cycles correctly, because uh, March 12th is when Ray and the Last Dragons opened in the theaters, so that means first wave merch arrives in January, there's going to be millions of talking Rhea dolls with Kelly Marie's voice coming out. And that little boys and little girls all over, you know, North America are going to be, you know, playing with. And there isn't anything the toxic fanboys can do about that.
1: Yeah. Your ex-wife seems to think that The Last Jedi is racist, Jim. So I would love to have really? her spell. Yeah. This is one of her Twitter exclamations. <laughs> so, you know.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's going to make for an interesting phone call. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when, um, you talk call- about the, when you talk about the Raya merch on your... Other mm-hmm. podcasts, get ready. That's all I'm going to say.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. And by the way, I want to point out, folks, that there is a historical precedent for the title character of a Disney animated feature for Disney swapping out the voice actor. In fact, Tommy Steele was the original voice of Robin Hood for Disney's 1973 animated Robin Hood. And as the story goes, uh, he recorded the entire film. And then Wooly Reitherman was looking at the work in progress stuff and, and decided Tommy was really good at the comedy scenes, but just didn't sound heroic. And so they ended up scrapping all of that stuff and bringing in Brian Bedford, who was a, a Shakespearean trained actor. And he re recorded all the dialogue and that's how we ended up with Robin, who we got today. So gotta be interesting to see if any of, of the Cassie Steele stuff ever comes out and, and, Like you were saying, Drew, it's just sort of going to be interesting to see what her take on the vocal performance of the character would have been like, as opposed to what Rose is going to do with it. Yeah, I'm excited. First of all, again, (laughs) Drew saw this coming over the horizon as far back as April, and this is not new. This happened back in the fall, uh, and it's not, not a coronavirus situation. It's a... What happens at an animation studio these days? you know sometimes you you do get in one of these all hands on deck situations and we do end up with some surprisingly strong films coming out of situations like this.
1: Yeah, I mean none of the none of these kind of decisions are ever made lightly and I think they're mm-hmm. always made in service of the movie. I, I heard from somebody who contacted us after, I had put those images up from uh, DDA's book uh, about uh, Gigantic, and there was actually a version of Jack and the Beanstalk that was being worked on by Chris Buck before Gigantic. So those images actually are, this person who reached out to me thinks are from that original version. So this kind of stuff happens a lot, this kind of shakeup.
0: But gigantic still, there were so many cool elements of that movie. In fact, that that's one of the things I love about Didier's book is we we get those those concept art for the storm giants. And it was just sort of like, oh, those look like great villains. I would have loved to have seen those characters in action. but but remember, Frozen got shut down, you know, or excuse me, the Snow Queen got shut down multiple times before somebody finally figured out how to tell that story. So and who knows? Maybe you know, we will eventually get. The definitive Disney Jack and the Beanstalk.
1: One day, Jim.
0: Let's see. In other news, let's talk about Mr. Cruz heading to a screening of Christopher Nolan's Tenet. What I love is that the Mission Impossible fans totally fixated on the fact that this now means that Ethan Hunt has short hair in the next two films, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, by Mission Impossible fans, you mean me and Charles. Yes, we did. Oh. We fixed it. Yeah.
0: But no. I mean, I
1: got a lot of engagement, so, you mm. know, that's, that was fun. But uh, okay, yeah, maybe going to a movie theater is the scariest stunt Tom Cruise <laughs> has ever done.
0: <laughs> you know, it, it's so interesting you said that, because today I had actually bought my ticket through Fandango to The New Mutants, but because things ran late at the airport, uh wasn't able to make a matinee, so the, the, the interesting thing, Fandango actually allows you to cancel right up to showtime, so... I don't want to say I dodged a bullet, but I still feel like I should go, you know, A, to see this movie, and also go to see what going to a movie theater is like these days.
1: Yeah, sure. Just stay home and watch Bill and Ted. It's it's a joy. <laughs> I've heard that. Actually, I, loved I, su- I loved it. I loved it. I was surprised at how good the reviews were. It's just lo- It's just a lot of fun. It's what if we need really- right now, Jim, you know?
0: Okay. Okay. I could. I could use something happy and fun. But
1: yes. But on the other hand, if I'm
0: looking for something happy and fun, I can always listen to Light the Fuse. I mean, you. You've had this amazing run of, of shows lately. So yeah,
1: we've got a big, big guest lined up for next week uh, mm-hmm. as well. So I am very, very excited. I can't talk about that yet because I don't want to jinx anything. You know, I want to make sure the recording is in the bag before we do it. Um, but yeah, we we talked to uh, Gia James this week who all the cool Dune photos that you're seeing come out from empire magazine or vanity fair. She took those photos and she's uh, Rebecca Ferguson's best friend, which also helps, helps us out Ooh, uh, in yep. the long run. Um, <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, she's awesome. And um, so, yeah, we've got that this week. We've got, uh, uh, Dan Mendel next week, uh, the week this show is airing, which he is the amazing cinematographer behind Force Awakens and The Rise of Skywalker, among many other amazing movies. And he shot Mission Impossible 3. So he has some great stories about J.J. and Tony Scott and all these people. So it's it, it's pretty pretty great. Uh, we get we get into some John Carter talk, as always, Jim. So, oh, you know. OK. Well,
0: <laughs> all right. I, I know how I'm spending my next week in the car.
1: Yes. There you so, go. Yeah. All right. But, so but on the hand.
0: Once you finish with the the latest episode of of Light the Fuse, uh, we also have some interesting stuff here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We've got Disney Dish. We've got uh, Marvelous Disney. As you mentioned, our our good friend Dan Z and I are going to be doing a new Looking at Lucasfilm this week. Going to get a new Universal Giant out the door this week. In the meantime, folks, if you could do Drew and I a favor, if you could head over to Bandcamp and subscribe... You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. That's going to do it for the this week's fine tuning. Thank you for listening, and Drew and I will be back with a brand new show very soon.